Hello, women of strength. We have an amazing episode for you today, but first I want to talk just a little bit about postpartum depression. Studies show that one in seven new mamas will develop postpartum depression. It's scary in a topic that doesn't really get discussed about a lot. So before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to share a little bit about our podcast sponsor and partner, Happiest Baby. As you guys know from listening to the VBAC link, this podcast means so much to me. I love every single one of you. I know that's hard to believe because I don't personally know every single one of you, but it is true. I love this community so much, and it means so much to me that Dr. Harvey Karp and his company, Happiest Baby, are such big supporters of VBAC and are supporting our mission. One of their biggest products that people may know or have heard of is called the Snoo. The Snoo is an amazing baby bed that can truly help many mamas out there during their postpartum journey, especially if you were like me and have a husband or a partner that has to go right back to work and are left with these amazing, cute, snuggly babies, but also exhausted. Whether you have had a C-section or a vaginal birth for those few days, and let's be honest, probably months, you're just exhausted. I was in pure survival mode. So many people refer to this new as the mama helper, who's there to help soothe your baby so you can just get a few more hours of sleep. They even have a rental program, which I think is pretty awesome, so you don't actually have to buy the bassinet. As I started learning more about Dr. Carp and his mission, I just love learning that he is so passionate about reducing postpartum depression in parents. They even got FDA approval, which I believe is the only bassinet or baby bed that has been FDA approved. It's also been known for reducing SIDS in babies as well. I asked our community for their reviews of Snoo, and I was overwhelmed by the positive responses. I just wanted to say thank you to Dr. Carp for creating the Snoo and helping millions of mamas sleep for just a few more hours at night so we can continue bonding with our babies and having a better postpartum experience. Thank you, happiest baby. Hello, hello, and happy Wednesday. This is Megan, your host at the VBAC Link Podcast, and we have a co-host today. We have Jenny. So welcome, Jenny. Thank you. Hi. Yes, she is one of our VBAC doulas, and we actually have a fun episode that she is personally connected to because we have one of her doula clients, which is always so fun. I think it's really fun because, you know, when Julie and I, we would listen to stories, we didn't have personal connection. So we're hearing it for the first time, but it's kind of fun to hear it from the storyteller as well as someone who experienced the birth. So again, thank you for being here th- you know, with us today and Morgan from New York. So New Yorkers, listen up because this is a great VBAC story. Um, she's going to be with us today, but of course we have a review of the week and our cute Jenny is going to read it for us. Great. So this is from Laura Teaches Music, stay-at-home mom, and her subject is I Did It. She says, been listening to you ladies for months and getting ready for my VBAC after two cesareans. Had our baby yesterday with an unmedicated hospital birth. Still amazed and ecstatic. I said, if this all works out, I'm going to share my VBAC story on the podcast. Hope to talk soon. Hearing the many stories assisted me in my positive outcome. Thank you for serving the world in this way. Oh, thank you so much. And that was from uh, Laura. That is such a great review. Thank you so much. And I know that a lot of the listeners, when we reach out on 
Instagram, we have a lot of people say, I want more V VBA to CV back after two cesarean stories. So Lara, if you are still listening, contact us. We'd love to share your story because I know the world wants to hear it. You are tuned into the VBAC Link podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBAC Link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan. Hello, women of strength. This is Megan. I am so happy you're listening to the podcast. When I was preparing for my vaginal birth after two cesareans, it was hard to find the evidence-based information in one spot and it could leave me feeling lonely or even confused. This is why Julie and I created the VBAC Link podcast. And did you know we also send out emails with helpful tips and advice on how to achieve your VBAC? All easily digestible in one email form. Just head over to the VBAClink.com. That is T-H-E-V-B-A-C-L-I-N-K.com. And sign up to start receiving your VBAC tips and info today. Okay, cute Morgan. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. I I mean, I always love sharing these VBAC stories, but I really do love it when the doula is with us. So I'm going to just turn the time over to you to share your VBAC story. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I'm really excited that Jenny will be on this as well. Mm -hmm. um, so of course, we kind of have to start with the very How short recap happened, of, right? <laughs> of why I needed a VBAC. You can't have the VBAC without the C. So my daughter, Audrey, is four and she was an unplanned, unwanted, unneeded cesarean after an induction and 48 hours of labor, mm -hmm. um, three hours of pushing, and she was just still kind of floating. Um mm -hmm. And I didn't know all the things that I know now. I didn't have a doula. I thought I couldn't afford one. I didn't do all the things. So uh, her birth was very traumatic and postpartum was really hard. Uh, and I swore I would never have another baby uh, because mm -hmm. I thought it would be the same thing again. Yeah. Um, so about a year later, I also became a doula and saw other people um, having subsequent births that weren't traumatic, especially after our first one that was. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, oh, okay. It doesn't have to be the same. Yeah. So yeah. So I got pregnant again and unfortunately miscarried. Um, but then three months later, we got pregnant with my son, Will, who's one now. He's about 14 months. And even before I got pregnant, I had known Jenny and we had met through um, the cesarean group that she runs, cesarean VBAC group that she runs um, locally. And I knew that I needed her as my doula and made sure that she was going to be free that month that I was planning <laughs> on you know, getting pregnant and, and planning on having a baby for. So 
I did all of the prep work, you know, having Jenny and chiropractic, acupuncture, craniosacral, pelvic floor PT, mm-hmm. getting baby daily essentials, therapy for me, yes. switching to midwifery care. And my midwife even said to me like, oh, do you think you're doing too much? And I said, no, I think that for my type of personality, I need to do it all because then I know if I need another cesarean, it wasn't anything that you didn't do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's not that it leaves out the what if that's totally my personality too, where I'm like, well, I know it might sound extreme that I'm doing all these crazy things. And when I say crazy, it's air quote crazy, crazy, but to people it's like, that's really excessive. Right. But I needed to know that if it ended in a cesarean, there was nothing that I didn't do. And it would, it would have just helped me be more content with the outcome. I think. Yeah. I get it. And I, And Jenny says all the time, you know, as soon as you accept that a cesarean may be the way that it happens Mm -hmm. the second time, especially after a primary cesarean, is when you can really heal and and achieve that VBAC. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had been having prodromal labor for probably two weeks. And every night before bed, I'd text Jenny, like, don't go to bed. It's going to be tonight. And then <laughs> the morning I text her like, sorry. It, it was fine. It was fine. And I wanted to touch on one thing about the prep work too, Morgan, because like you did so much work in the four years that you came to the group, right? Like Morgan, the first time she came in was like, I'm never having another baby. I'm never doing that again. Mm. And like, you did so much emotional work over the course of years to get yourself to a point where not only were you prepared physically, but like you were really prepared emotionally. And that was so awesome to see. Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. So yeah. So then comes December 8th. And I woke up with a bloody nose, which I never, ever get bloody noses. And I texted Jenny and I said, I have a bloody nose. And the last time, and like one of the only times in my life that I've had one is the day I went into labor with Audrey. And, you know, we're Googling it. Yeah. Does this, could this be a sign of labor? And we're like, yeah, maybe, you know, whatever. So, um, and I'm like, get off Google. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Right. I asked Jenny to Google everything for me because I didn't want to go down the rabbit hole. I think you know, that was that's actually really that's that's really healthy. That's really yeah, healthy. Yeah. I'm always happy to do it. Yeah. Yes. She always sent me the evidence-based, you know, things and peer reviewed. So I wasn't <laughs> like, oh, I got a bloody nose. Now I have cancer. You know? Uh-huh. Yeah. So um you know, just trying to keep myself busy. I took my daughter to the store with me to pick up a prescription. And then she asked if we could go to my parents for lunch. And I remember standing at my parents' house and my dad's like, sit down, have a cup of coffee. And I said, no, I feel like the baby's in a really good position. I I just want to stand and let gravity do its thing because I think the prodromal labor was he was in a in a funky position. Mm-hmm. So I finally, you know, sat down, had a cup of coffee and maybe five minutes later, I felt like a little pop and a little tear and then mm-hmm. a big like movie theater, like movie scene gush <laughs> of water. And I just said, my water just broke. And my mom, my dad and my daughter were all sitting there and my dad <laughs> hopped up and he's like, I'll get you a towel. And he came back with a washcloth. <laughs> <laughs> 
Dad, you have five children. Do you not remember? Like there might be a lot of water. So um, oh, this is a river, not a spilled glass of water. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. And I had, I was borderline poly. So um, a, a, a lot of fluid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, yeah. Polyhydraminose. So at first my parents are like, well, you got to go, you got to go. And I'm like, no, no, no. The next 24 to 48 hours, like, you know, I'm, I need to just relax and go home and take a nap. So that's what I did. My husband, Billy met me at the door and we finished packing Audrey's bag and he, and my parents live five minutes away. So he brought her bag. She was going to be staying there while we were at the hospital and I laid down to take a nap after texting Jenny saying my water broke. I'm going to try to nap, but I was really anxious and really excited. Um, so I've been normal. Taking, yeah. But I remember with my daughter, like this took a long time. Early labor was at least 12 hours. And then mm-hmm. I went straight to the hospital and had an induction. So I was like, I just want to be calm. I need to be in my bed. I need to just like Zen out. And I couldn't. So I had been taking baths and doing like some prep work in that way. So I'm like, I'm going to take a bath and do my thing and try to calm down. And contractions did start in the bathtub, but they weren't painful. Uh, But at the peak of them, I was having like little mini panic attacks. Mm. I don't know if it was because I was by myself at home or, or just excited or what, but I called my husband and said, make sure our daughter's good, but I need you to come back home. So I also texted Jenny because as soon as I got out of the bathtub, things got pretty intense. So I just texted her, okay, come, because I Mm -hmm. knew she lived 30 minutes door to door from me. So I knew things were really happening and I really needed like at least emotional support at that point. Um, So my husband got home- right? So it's snowing, of course. And Morgan never texts like one word texts like that is not in her nature. So when she was just like, okay, come, I was like, oh boy, like, like drop okay, everything. coming. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Time to go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and of course, you know, snow makes it a little bit longer and traffic and whatever. So by the time my husband got home about five minutes later, I was moaning through contractions on the toilet and needing to stand and hold on to his shoulders during the contractions and then just sit and kind of release during the breaks. Um, mm-hmm. And by the time Jenny arrived, I was getting new pants on to head to the hospital. And I think the first thing I said was, I need to push. I need to go and I need to push. So, but I said, I need to, I need to go to the bathroom one more time. There's just so much fluid and it's so intense. And I just, the toilet's so comfortable and I could not get off that toilet. And, you know, every contraction I was like pushing and moaning and every break I was like, why is no one going? You know, why are you not making me go? And Jenny finally said, it's going to continue to be intense. If you want to deliver at the hospital, we need to go right now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, got into gear, you know, walked to the car, contracted twice on the way to the car and then got in. And I was like, can I kneel? Can I kneel on the seat? And 
again, I'm a rule follower. Like I don't drive without my seatbelt on, but I could not sit because his head was right there. So I give my husband so much credit. I feel like he's been working his whole life to be the driver that he was that day. He was like oh, yeah. Mario Kart. He yeah. I never <laughs> I thought, love that like, Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought like, are we there yet? What are you doing? Whatever. Like it was, we were at home and then we were at the hospital. Like, and I think I had about six contractions on the way to the hospital. Jenny probably could tell better because yeah. you said you could. I kept see seeing, eyes. yeah, I was behind them and I kept seeing her head come up and then her head would go down. Go and I'm like down. timing, you know, her head coming up and coming down thinking like, okay, she's either starting or stopping. And, I, and I'm like on the phone with my husband, like, I'm going to deliver a baby on the side of the road. I'm pretty oh sure. Yeah. So I said to my husband, just pull into the valet, even though they aren't running it because of COVID, just pull in there. I know you can just park there and that's going to be the easiest way that we get up there. Yeah. Um, but of course, you know, the security guard is like, no, 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 you can't park here. And we're all yelling at her, like, I'm pushing, she's in labor, you know, baby coming. And finally, my husband just parked the car and got out and I got out and she offered me a wheelchair and I said, can I kneel? And she was like, oh no, no, honey, you can't kneel. So I just took it from her and started pushing it like a walker and walked myself up. <laughs> ah, to L&D. That's like, my favorite thing. Then, I, my favorite. then I will sort of nail leaning onto this and walking with my yeah, she literally yeah. in one motion just like spun it around, gave this lady a look like, please move, and then just started going. <laughs> yeah. yep. Meanwhile, it's the middle of the lobby at Strong Hospital on a Wednesday at lunchtime, and there were so many people trying to navigate around. And here I am like moaning and pushing and obviously pregnant, obviously in labor, and these two beautiful nurses came out of nowhere. I don't think they were L&D nurses and took the wheelchair, told me to kneel. One of them ran up and, you know, pushed the elevator button so that we could get up to the third floor quickly. And thank, thank God I was in that deep of labor because my husband was like, she's not going to take the elevator. She's way Mm -hmm. too afraid of taking the elevator. Mm -hmm. She's going to make us walk. She's going to deliver in the stairwell, you know, and and I did. I took the elevator because I I could not walk up three flights yeah, of stairs. No. At that point. <laughs> not with a baby. But coming. I kept saying, right? I kept saying to him, you know, my eyes were closed, and I'm like, Billy, are you still here? Billy, are you still here? And he's like, Yes, yes. And I said, Is Jenny here? And he said, She's parking. She'll be right up. So we skipped triage completely and went straight to a room. And someone came in and offered to check me. And I said, are you from my practice? I don't know anyone with that name. And at the same time, Jenny walked in and continued to advocate for me to have my like personal midwifery practice check me. Um, so my midwife came in and she checked me and said I was fully dilated and plus two. And oh that was like goodness. the <laughs> moment, right? Like yeah. the yeah. moment we all like dream about like it was happening, you know? Um, so she's like, Morgan, keep going, do what you're doing. So I was kneeling on the bed, kind of on all fours. And I pushed for a short time that way. And then she said, are you willing to move into a different position? Because I think if you go on your side, your pelvis shape might just shift 
enough that he'll come right out. So I was like, yeah, absolutely. I will do whatever you think is best. Um, And I wanted to move during the pushing stage and try different things. And so I pushed on my side for a short time and I definitely started feeling the ring of fire, but then the mood in the room shifted and the midwife called out. She said, shoulder call OB and everything Mm. kind of happened very quickly. So she had flipped me onto my back. My feet were by my head. A nurse was on top pushing. The midwife was telling me to push. And then I just felt him come out and go right in my hands and on my chest. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like the the best moment of my life by far. They asked my husband to cut the cord quickly since they did need to break his sh- my son's shoulder to oh. safely deliver him. So they needed to get him over to the warmer to assess him. And he wasn't breathing well because he came so fast that his lungs weren't squeezed and, you know, all those things. So he got suctioned. He was only over there for a couple of minutes with the NICU team. And then he was back with me for skin to skin um, for a couple of minutes. But then the midwife was saying that they were noticing that I was having a little bit more bleeding than they'd like to see. Uh, They tried some shots of Pitocin, rectal miso, and a few other things. But she had said, like, removing the placenta is going to help start the stopping of bleeding. So she asked my consent to manually remove it. Mm. So she said, it's going to be really uncomfortable. And since I didn't have an IV yet, um, they wouldn't be able to give me any pain medication. They tried Mm. to get an IV in nine different times during labor, but every time you're probably having a my, contraction. Yeah. yeah. I didn't have my arm ready. You were like, I don't like that. I don't like no. that. It was so polite, <laughs> like but that. like very firm. I don't like that. And they would stop, you know, they listened. Yeah, That's good. Yeah, yeah. So I'd have my arm out. I'd be so ready for them. And then a contraction would come and I'd just ruin the whole thing. But you know, wherever they <laughs> cleaned off or had a, had a vein ready. So so I said, you know, if if this is going to be that uncomfortable, I need my husband to take the baby because I'm probably going to scream in his ears. So my husband took him, did skin to skin with him while they figured out what was happening with me. And they were able to manually remove my placenta, um, but my uterus kind of came with it and inverted. Mm. Um, so when they were doing the funnel massage and trying to find the borders of the uterus, they, they couldn't find. They couldn't. That. Yeah. So they asked if they could go back in manually and kind of push it back into place. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, those, those two were the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. And I, and by the way, I had just had a 10 pound, 12 ounce baby what? with no medication. Yeah. So that the amount of pain was just really overwhelming. It's, that stuff is intense. Like everything's already tender and and they're going up yes. and pushing things and scraping things. And I mean, just think, yep. like, think about the massage on the outside, like the funnel massage on the outside, like creating is intense enough, let alone it being on the inside. Yeah. 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 So, and I was impressed um, too with the provider because it was not the midwives at this point. It was the, you know, the OB team was in. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this, Morgan, but you kept saying no OR no OR, like, because that was like the big thing, right? It's like, we are not going to the OR for this birth, even if it's after the baby's out. That was like a big 
sticking point. And like, mm-hmm. it was one of the residents, I believe, who was like right by your head. And she kept saying, no OR, we're not going to the OR. This uh, is where we're, we're going to do this here. Yeah. Yeah. And I really give credit to the URMC midwifery group that I worked with mm-hmm. um, because the midwife that was there that day that delivered my son, she, I think she advocated a lot for that um, because yeah, I think for sure. the OBs were you know, they're comfortable in the OR and especially for a third degree tear where they're stitching for 45 minutes and Mm -hmm. they're afraid of blood loss and all of these things. Like they definitely probably would have been more comfortable in the OR, but I didn't want to be separated from my baby and I did not want to be in the OR. And I just, anything that they could do safely in that room was fine with me. So finally they were able to get an IV in and give me some pain meds. And I also asked for some anxiety medication because I was very overwhelmed. Um, Understandably. Yeah. A lot. And not even just those two things, but a lot before, I mean, you just had a precipitate, a 10 pound baby, Mm -hmm. a you know, (laughs) like shoulder dystocia, all these things. You're you're hyper stimulated at this point. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, um, so I got well back skin to skin and, um, they stitched for, you know, 45 minutes or so. And it was just like everything that I had hoped for. I mean, Jenny was right here. My husband was right here. My baby was right here and it was calm. And I felt so positive about it. I was able to like call my mom and I just said to her like, uh, well, he's here. And she said, what? You just left my house. <laughs> and, um, yeah, my water broke at 11.15 a.m. And he was born at 2.50 p.m. So oh very, God. very, very fast and yeah. so positive. And looking back, I think that my cesarean was very textbook, very typical, easy, whatever. But I had so much trauma associated with it. And then if you look at my vaginal birth, it had a lot of complications, but there's no trauma associated with it because I felt so supported and so educated and informed. And they at the midwifery group asked my consent with everything, even when it was an emergency. And so mm-hmm. our our like the birth and postpartum time was I don't even remember having the baby blues. I think I only cried because I was just so happy and so proud of myself and so grateful for the team that we had around us and it was incredible oh my goodness I love that you talked that you talked about the fact that you're like I had this textbook c-section but I associate it this way but then I had like crazy you know this thing with unknown things that you could definitely say were traumatic but you look at it differently and it's so interesting how us as individuals right as as human beings how a, a position like that where you have a undesired, unplanned, unwanted, as you described it, situation where you maybe didn't feel like you had a lot of real true say along the way. But then this one where definitely, you know, had some things happen, maybe undesired, unplanned, but you had a say along the way and has impacted you so much in the positive way. And so it just goes to show how informed consent and education and support around you makes such a big impact, Yeah. right? 
I mean, yeah. that's, I can, like, I had some weird things with my VBAC, right? And then I had textbooks, cesareans that, you know, were not necessarily wanted. And, but I was alone with my first and had no one talking to me. And same thing, like, I view that as not a pleasant experience, you know? And then yeah. even though I have some, even frustrations, I'm still frustrated things happened in certain ways with my VBAC, but I was still so happy. And overall, I view it so differently. So yeah. I would say if there's any providers out there or all of our doulas listening and Jenny, I'd love to know your two cents on this too, but I think it is mm -hmm. so important to remind your patients like, or to remind yourself that your patients are people and they are living this experience and they mm -hmm. need that informed consent. They need that knowledge, that guidance, those, even just those moments of like, Hey, you got this. We're going to be okay. Or, Hey, I see this. Let's try this you know, mm -hmm. anything like that, or I know this is going to be really intense, but we're going to be right here with you. Right. Mm -hmm. And just that can just make such a difference. So I don't know if Jenny, if you have anything that you yeah. would like to add. I think at our, our support group, we say all the time, like you can't, you can't control your birth, right? We know this. You can, right. you can do everything um, that you can to prepare. But like one thing that Morgan has said often is that she totally trusted us. She picked us because she trusted us, right? And so she knew whatever happened, we were going to have her back. And I tell people all the time, like a doula client relationship, a, a provider patient relationship is so intimate and vulnerable. And there are so many of us out there, right? That like, mm -hmm. if I'm not the doula for you, if my provider isn't the provider for you, that's fine. Go find someone else who is like, you need to be able to be completely yes. trusting and vulnerable in the moment. And because Morgan did the work and found her team and, you know, she was able to take something that on paper might look traumatic and have it be so empowering and wonderful and like the best day of her life, you know, and I'm so proud of you, Morgan, like still, even though it's been Thank a you. year. And I think yeah. the other really empowering thing was that sticks out to me is no one ever told you that they needed to take him away from you. You mm. said he was on you during the all all of everything and the only time he was taken away from you aside from right at first to check everything was when you said billy can you please take him i don't feel comfortable and i think for providers to hear how much that changed your experience knowing where yes. he was knowing he was on you or on his father like that was so important and as a doula and the photographer standing back and watching it happen and being a part of it like knowing that your baby was somewhere that you were comfortable with and where you could see him at all times was really, really cool. Yeah. yeah. And truly, truly the only reason that I felt comfortable and confident doing that is knowing that Jenny, you were right there by my side too, because mm -hmm. if Billy was over with Will and I was by myself, you know, I, I wouldn't have felt, I, I would have said, take him to the warmer or take, take him wherever. Like I'm, I'm not comfortable being in this, you know, emergency kind of state mm -hmm. with my support person, not right by my side, but because I had you and trusted you completely, I knew that like I could have Billy go and take care of him and, and I would be okay. And so I'm so grateful because I'm definitely, um, I like to be able to control my environment and with birth, you can't control much mm -hmm. you try and you have definitely you know preferences advocated for but 
being able to release that to the people that I trust the most in my life was really incredible. And I've never felt so cared for and so confident about the care. That is so beautiful. Like so beautiful. I am so grateful for you sharing your story. And Jenny, thank you so much for being here. We love when our VBAC doulas are on the podcast, especially with their clients. We really do. Because again, like I know you guys maybe can't see what I can see right now, but the joy in Jenny's face as she's listening Mm -hmm. to this, like you can tell she's wholeheartedly like proud and just so like amazed by Morgan, right? Like she even said, like, I'm still so proud of you, even though it's been a year, you can really see it in her face. Like, and Morgan, you said you were a doula now. You guys mm-hmm. understand? Yes. You know, as a doula, it is, I, I'm, I'm just going to kind of just rave, rave on doulas, right? For a quick second. But yeah. as a doula, it is an absolute honor to be invited into someone's space. It's a very intimate, mm-hmm. beautiful space. And to be invited into that space, it's absolutely an honor. And then to be able to witness, witness this beautiful event, right? Like, and this beautiful birthday, it's so incredible, so incredible. And we hold on to them forever. I mean, I've been a doula for eight and a half years and I will never forget the first or the second or the third, right? And it's not that I remember every detail of every birth, but there are things that stand out like grabbing the wheelchair and being like, yeah, move out of my way. I'm going upstairs, you know, Mm -hmm. or even just Even just knowing that person so well, like Jenny said, of you know, she has elaborate messages every time she writes a lot. And then for her to say, yeah, come like, yeah, you know, you, we get to know, we get to know our clients so well. Mm -hmm. And truly, I always tell people, you know, you don't have to be my best friend, but I want you to know, I'm always going to be your friend and I'm always going to be there for you because I mean, really, it's such an amazing experience to be with people and watch these incredible births just like yours, Morgan. Absolutely. Interested in sharing your VBAC story on the podcast? Submit your story at thevbacklink.com slash share. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to thevbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.